This is my Bible. It is the Word of God and the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am. I'm seated right now in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus, the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine, and I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. The day my mind is alert, my spirit is receptive as I'm taught the Word of God, my life is changed for the better, and I will never be the same again. Amen. May be seated. And as you're being seated, if you would, turn in your Bibles to 1 John, 1 John chapter 1. And today we're beginning a new series on 1 John. My father said at 9 a.m. in the history of the church, this is the third time that we've come to 1 John to do an entire series on it, to walk through 1 John verse by verse. And it's so important for the days in which we live. And this new series, as long as we're in it, is entitled Walking with God in the Age of Apostasy. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 3, beginning in verse 1, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. And we see it. We see it now. We see it in the news. We see it in social media. Just, just when you think things are evil like never before, as I said two Sundays ago, this week, there'll probably be some new evil, some new perversion. They, as the Bible says, they are literally inventing ways to do evil. So Paul wrote, warning Timothy, warning the church, mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. Jesus said in Matthew 24 and verse 13, he who stands firm to the end will be saved. You go to Revelation and read in Revelation chapters two and three, the seven letters to the churches which speak to the church then, they speak to the church now, they speak to the church throughout the ages. Jesus says to each of the seven churches, those who stand firm to the end, those who persevere to the end, those who overcome to the end, even those that in times of persecution, they, they face death standing firm to the end. They're the ones that will be saved. They're the ones that will be rewarded. They're the ones that will receive the special prize, the special reward. Jesus said in Luke 18 and verse 8, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith in the earth? And as my father said at 9 a.m., we, we live in days when people have faith in all kinds of things. But when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith? Faith in God, 
faith and in the word of God, faith in Jesus Christ, will he find faith on the earth. These are the last days. Now, if you're doubting the reality, that shouldn't be a news flash. These are the last days. And we are knocking on the door of eternity. Now, now I know you read the New Testament. You know, Paul believed that the Lord would come in his lifetime. And great men and women of God throughout history have always believed that the Lord would come in their lifetime. But doesn't take a, a lot of... Uh, deep spirituality to see with what's going on in the world today, we are on a speed train to the end. And the Lord, he's coming sooner than any of us might think. And the Bible is clear. He, he will come when people least expect him. Now, Peter prophesied and wrote about how in these days there would be those that would scoff, they would mock, they would make fun, and they would say he is never coming and that that's when he's going to come so we're, we're knocking on the door of eternity the antichrist the man of lawlessness will soon be revealed and you don't want to be here when that happens amen we want to be with the lord we want to be in the city of god we don't want to be here when the antichrist is revealed long time ago william shakespeare wrote in the tempest hell is empty and all the devils are here and we see we see in the world, we see in the news signs of the end. We see increasing natural disasters. We see economic trouble. We see tyranny. We see uncertainty. And these are the beginning of birth pains or the beginning of sorrows that Jesus spoke of in Matthew chapter 24. And if you look over at Matthew 24, you'll see this. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. But see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. We're going to see more of these things, and they are going to get progressively worse. Just like when a woman goes into labor, over time, the pain, the contractions, they, they increase. The pace, it increases. We're going to see that of these things in the days we're living in. All these are the beginning of birth pains. And so you may say, Austin, man, the, the news is concerning. What, what's going on in the world, it is concerning. These are just the beginning of sorrows. These are just the beginnings of the birth pains. And it, it's going to get a lot worse. My father's rehearsed to me how in the 80s there was a wrong theology that was popular. And there, there were believers believing that if we could just get the right politician in office, we could make things so good and things so wonderful, we could usher in the kingdom of God right here. Jesus then could just show up and we could just hand the, the keys over to Jesus. But if you read your Bible honestly, that, that's not what we see in the Bible. We see in the Bible that things are going to get worse and worse and worse. We see Paul wrote to the church that believers will be spared the wrath to come. We see then that after the church, believers are spared from the wrath to come, that God's hand of judgment is going to come upon planet Earth. That, that's what we see in the Word of God. 
And so you have to be dialed into that reality, and then you have to live accordingly. And as I said the last two Sundays, you have to, if you have a family, you got to lead your family accordingly. You got to lead your children or your teens or your young adults accordingly. You got to protect your family accordingly. These are the times in which we're living. Birth pains, the beginning of sorrows, and we see it all around us. Hate, rage, anger, stress, depression, insanity, violent crime. Now there are cities announcing that they're not even going to prosecute certain crimes. You know, even if they're stupid enough to do that, you don't announce it. By announcing it, they're letting all the criminals know we're not going to arrest you or prosecute you for these crimes. It's wickedness. It is lawlessness. And as we'll see in 1 John, the Antichrist is coming, but there is an Antichrist spirit which is a spirit of lawlessness. And there are many antichrists. And if you don't believe that, you're not, you're not dialed into the people that are in government today. We see insane government policies purposely meant to destroy citizens, laws, policies that don't protect the rights of law-abiding, tax-paying citizens, now, that was in the message last Sunday. And I, I used Romans 13 as an example that righteous authority in the home rewards good and punishes evil and wicked leadership, wicked authority, it, it, it rewards evil and it punishes the good. And that's what we see in the times we're living in. Revelation 12 and verse 12 seems to be a reality. Therefore rejoice you heavens and you who dwell in them but woe to the earth, warning to the earth and sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. So in these days, what must we do as the children of God? And in 1 John, that's how John writes to the church. That's how John, the apostle of love, writes to the church. Beloved, children, dear children, young children, how must we live as the children of God in these days? We're to live full of faith. We're to live full of the love of God, the agape love of God. We're to manifest the nature of Father God and the Holy Spirit, which is peace and love and joy. The Bible says in 1 John 4 and verse 16, God is love. And whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. Now, a little bit about the Apostle John, who wrote 1 John. The Apostle John, along with James, was a son of Zebedee. Now, Jesus, he called Peter and Andrew to follow him, to leave your nets behind and follow me, and they did. And the same day, Jesus called James and John, the sons of Zebedee, to follow him. Jesus called James and his brother John, the sons of thunder, and I've always wondered about that. You know, we know Peter was a fisherman, James and John, they were fishermen. But just the phrase, just the description tells us a little bit about them as men and their strength and their character. Jesus called James and John the sons of thunder. John was also the disciple whom Jesus loved. He had the 12, but then there were the three, Peter, James, and John. 
And as we'll get to, John writes about how they heard, they saw, they touched. And since John was one of the three, he heard things and he saw things that not all of the 12 saw. It's amazing. The Apostle John was the author of the Gospel of John. He was also the author of the epistles, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And he was the author of the Revelation. At his crucifixion, Jesus asked John to look after his mother, Mary. And John did so faithfully. Along with Mary, John spent his latter years in Ephesus ministering to the churches in Asia Minor. Historical evidence and early church tradition indicate that John wrote his three epistles, his three letters from Ephesus as an elderly apostle. Eventually, when times of persecution came, John was arrested. And the Romans, the authorities, they tried to kill him by dipping him in boiling oil. But like Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, in the Old Testament, he miraculously survived. A miracle happened. God protected him. He ended up sentenced and exiled to the island of Patmos. And there he received the revelation of the end from Jesus Christ. Of the 12 apostles, including Judas's replacement, Matthias, John was likely the only apostle to live out his years and to experience a natural death as an old man. All the rest were put to death and died as martyrs. John writes, 1 John, warning believers about the dangers of false teaching and false teachers. In history, there's the saying that there's nothing new under the sun. And that's also true in church history. Today, the Western church faces a resurgence of Marcionism along with Gnostic ideas that would lead people to believe that it doesn't matter how we live in this world. Marcion and the Gnostics both denied that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. And because their beliefs, their worldview, their religion, because their beliefs were based on Greek philosophy, not the Hebrew scriptures, they believed that the material, the physical world was evil and less than the spiritual world. Now you go to Genesis. God made the heavens and the earth. God made humanity, male and female. He created them. And God said about everything in creation, it is good. Yet, the end of the first century, second century, there were those influenced by Greek philosophy more than by the Bible they had at the time, the Hebrew scriptures, the, what we call the Old Testament. And so they, 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 they didn't call God's creation good. They called it evil. And the result was they emphasized salvation through secret spiritual knowledge not faith in the resurrected Jesus Christ. They emphasize spiritual salvation through spiritual, secret spiritual knowledge. And then since this world is less than, inferior than, both groups, Marcion, the Gnostics, they taught there would be no judgment, and they taught that it doesn't matter what you do in the body. It doesn't matter how you live in the body. It doesn't matter what you do in this world, that as long as you know the secrets to spiritual enlightenment and salvation, you can just live however you want to live. There's nothing new under the sun. 
And so when there are those that stand in pulpits today and they would lead God's people to believe wrongly that the grace of God for which Jesus Christ gave his life means that we can just live however we want and do whatever we want, it may sound new, but it's not new. There's nothing new under the sun. So let's get to it. Let's go to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1, and we're also going to be in the Gospel of John, John, the Gospel of John chapter 1. 1 John 1, beginning in verse 1. That which was from the beginning. They, they, they spoke of this in the early church. When someone was trained and discipled, and before they would be baptized, they had to affirm it. That Jesus Christ, he is the eternal begotten Son of God, the one who was, who is, who is to come, the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. John was one of the first to be called by Jesus. John saw all that occurred during the three and a half year ministry of Jesus. He was an eyewitness. He saw, he heard, he touched. He, he was there, he was there in the room when doubting Thomas beheld the risen, resurrected Christ in the physical, resurrected body. Not, not a spiritual apparition. Jesus told Thomas to stop doubting and believe. And Thomas touched his side and Thomas touched his hands. John was there. He heard. He saw. He touched. As I said in the introduction, John was not just one of the 12. He was one of the three. When Jairus, a synagogue ruler, came to Jesus, and he told the Lord, he said, he said my daughter is dying, but just come put your hands on her and she will live. John was one of the three. And Jesus went. By the time he arrived, they said that she was dead. They were mourning, they were weeping, and they were wailing, and they were, were mourning. And Jesus said, she is not dead, but she is asleep. They laughed at him, they mocked him, they made, they made fun of him. But the Bible says Jesus put them all out and he went into the room with Peter, James, John. And John was there. He saw and he heard. When Jesus said to that little girl, Talitha kum, daughter, I say to you, get up. He heard those words. And he saw the life of God come into that little girl's body. And he saw her eyes open. And so what John is writing about here in 1 John is not theoretical, not something he heard from someone else. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. Later, before Jesus' rejection, the time came and Jesus took the three up on the mount. And there, with Peter, James, and John as eyewitnesses, Jesus was transfigured. 
and the glory of God shone around them. And perhaps to encourage Jesus before all that he faced and suffered on our behalf, Elijah and Moses spoke with Jesus. And who were the three that saw and they heard? Who were there when the audible voice of God spoke, this is my son, listen to him. Peter, James, and John. They were there. And so he writes, that which is from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and have touched. And if you look back in your Bible to the Gospel of John, chapter 1, as a man could write so beautifully, only inspired by the Holy Spirit, in the beginning was the Word. That which was from the beginning, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, the Word was God, He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made, without Him nothing was made that has been made, and Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. He then tells about John the Baptist, who as Isaiah prophesied would come before the Messiah, to prepare the way to make ready a people for the Lord. Verse 8, he himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Why? Verse 7, so that through him, through Jesus Christ, all might believe. Verse 9, the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. Verse 10, he was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him. See, if you read the Bible, the Bible's clear. There are those, and they preach and teach that Jesus only died for some. They preach and teach that Jesus only died for the elect. They, they teach and preach that God has chosen in advance those will be saved and those will go to hell, and there's nothing that anyone can do about it. Just reading the Bible will teach anyone, even a child, that is nonsense. Paul wrote to Timothy that God wants all men to be saved. And all will not believe there will be those that reject Christ, but he wants every man, every woman, every little boy, every little girl to believe upon Jesus Christ as their Savior. And you see that there in John 1 verse 12, yet to all. Yet to all, yet to all, yet to all. To all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of a human decision or a husband's will, the word, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so John is clear in John chapter 1, and he's clear in 1 John, that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, that he was born of a woman, that he, he came in the flesh, and he walked this earth in the flesh, and he suffered, and he died in the flesh, and he was in the grave in the flesh, but then Father God raised him from the dead, and he walked among them, and he talked among them. And they, they had more than 40 days with him. 
and they saw the risen, resurrected Christ in the flesh. And that day when the trumpet sounds, he won't touch foot on planet earth. We will see him in the clouds. But he's coming for his church. And there's coming a day at the end of those seven years of judgment when Jesus Christ is going to again set foot on planet earth in the flesh. The Bible says the Mount of Olives, it will be split in two. And blood will flow more than a thousand miles in every direction as high as the horse's bridle. But he's coming. He's coming in the flesh. And so 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, we proclaim concerning the word of life. He is the life and the light of humanity. He is the bread of life. Every wonderful thing God did for his people was a foreshadow of the one who was, who is, and who is to come. He gave them manna. He has given us the bread of life. And Jesus said in the Gospels that whoever would eat of that bread will live and they will never die. He is the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life. How can one be saved? How can one have eternal life? How can one have hope beyond this life? Only in the eternal life of God. Only in the eternal life made available to us through Jesus Christ. We proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us. You know, sometimes out there in the world, you'll, you'll hear sayings, and they, they sound nice, but they're, they're not true. Well, we're all just the children of God. No, we're not. The children of God are those that have professed faith in Jesus Christ. The children of God are those that have accepted and have believed upon Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And as we'll get to, we're, we're either in the darkness or we're in the light. So why, why did he do all of this for us? Why, why does John write? So that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus said to the religious leaders in John's gospel, if you reject my Father, you reject me. If you, you reject me, you reject my Father. He, he told them, he was clear, to know Father God is to know him. To know him is to know Father God. And so they write, John writes that we would have fellowship. And we write, he says, to make our joy complete. Verse five, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. Not, not something new. Not, not something different. Paul writes to the church in Galatia, he says that even if an angel should appear to you and preach a different gospel, a different message, and of course, by the end of the first century, by the time that, that John wrote this, there were already murmurings and rumors and 
and people saying that there were secret teachings and secret teachings only told to certain disciples and that, again, embracing a Platonic Greek philosophical worldview, that what God made is, is not good, that the, the key is some secret knowledge that only a few have. And so John writes, he, he's very clear, not something new, not something different, not something secret, not something just for the elite, not just something for the, the few, not just something for the educated or the enlightened. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. You go back to the beginning, God said, let there be light. And there was light. And in Father God, there's light. There's no darkness. And as we'll see, if we're a part of the family of God and we walk with God and we fellowship with God and we do as Jesus said in John 15, if we remain in him and his word remains in us, if there's no darkness in God, there ought not be any darkness in us. There ought not be any darkness in our lives. There ought not be any darkness in our, our home or in our, our family or in anything that we have going on in our lives. As I alluded to last Sunday, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he, he didn't lower standards. He raised standards. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. E even in your thought life, there ought not be any darkness. Paul wrote that we're to take captive every thought and to make it obedient to Christ. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. Verse 6 if we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. And this is the problem today with anyone that would lead God's people to believe that grace means it doesn't matter how we live, that grace means it doesn't matter what we do, that, that grace means that you can come to Christ and claim Christ and say you live for Christ and say, say you love Christ and yet your life looks no different than before you met Christ. You go to the Gospels. Jesus, Zacchaeus, he, he climbed that sycamore tree just to get a glimpse of Jesus. And he saw, he heard. Like John, like the others, Zacchaeus saw and he heard. And then Jesus said, I'm coming to your house today. But Zacchaeus, his life was changed. And how, how do we know that his life was changed? Zacchaeus began living a different life. And he said, Lord, if I, I've robbed or if I've stolen, I'm not just going to pay back. I'm going to pay back, I believe, four times. That's a man or woman whose life is changed by having an encounter with Jesus Christ. Not the same, different. Not the same, a son or daughter of God. Not the same, a new creation in Christ Jesus. Take a moment and look over at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And, and Paul writes about this in, in several places. We're, we're to live in victory over sin. We're to live in victory over darkness. We're to crucify the flesh. And a crucified man is a dead man. A crucified woman is a dead woman. A crucified sin is a dead sin that doesn't have the victory. It doesn't have the mastery over you. Look at 1 Corinthians 6, beginning in verse 9. 
Do you not know the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 11, this is what I want you to see. And that is what some of you were. And see, the new thing, the popular thing now is, well, you know, just do your best, or we're all just a, a work in progress. You've heard me tell the story. One, one Sunday after lunch, we took the kids to get burgers down the road. All finished. I had taken Samuel to the restroom, washed his hands. We're walking back to where we were seated, and there was a young couple having lunch with Seemed like a, a young minister. And I, I could not believe what, what I overheard. We, we all sin every day. My sins are just different than your sins. See, this is appealing to the lowest common denominator. And there's no victory in it. With the help of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, and the help of the word of God, you can have the victory over every sin, every temptation, every shortcoming. Anything that in your family maybe there has been a struggle with for a generation or two or longer than that. Paul says that is what some of you were. See, now that they actually say that you can be a certain type of sinning Christian. No, you can't. You may have been a liar before you were saved. You're to stop lying and you're to walk in truth. You may have been immoral in some way before you were saved, but with the help of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can live a righteous life. You can walk in righteousness. You can do what's right. You can, as Paul said elsewhere, glorify God with your body. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. So, so don't, don't, don't believe the lie that it's okay, that, it, that, it, that it's acceptable to claim, to claim Christ and walk in darkness. And it is a lie, and it is dangerous, and it is destructive. Verse 6, 1 John, if we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie. We lie and do not live by the truth. You, you find out in God's word there are things that God hates. And one of the things that God hates is lying. You go to Revelation. You find out that on the list of those that will have no place in the city of God are liars. And so he says, he writes, if we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Pray, praise God, that's wonderful. We have fellowship and the blood of his son purifies us from all sin. When I was just a little boy, my, my father taught me in the Bible to pay attention to certain things, like where you have the word if. So notice in verse seven, we have a part to play. Yes, it's wonderful to have fellowship. Yes, it's wonderful for the blood of Jesus to cleanse us and to purify us from all sin and from all unrighteousness, but we have a part to play. We're to walk in the light. 
And just because you walked in the light yesterday doesn't mean you're off the hook today or tomorrow or this week or this month or this, the rest of this year. We're, we're to walk in the light every single day until we see Jesus face to face. You might say, Austin, I, I, I have not been doing a good job of walking in the light. What do I do? John deals with that. Verse eight, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves in the truth is not in us. We, we live in a day that Isaiah prophesied. He said, woe to those that call good evil and evil good, who put darkness for light and light for darkness. And we, we live in a world where now what was considered evil is no longer considered evil. What was considered wicked is now no longer considered wicked. What was a sin last year is not a sin this year. But the world and the wicked and even the deceived, they can be deceived all they want. If God calls something wrong, it's wrong. If God calls something sinful, it is still sinful. If God calls something wicked or perverse or an abomination, it is still wicked or perverse or an abomination. You might say, well, Austin, I read on Facebook. That doesn't matter. Austin, I did a search on Twitter and I found someone telling me my sin is okay. Doesn't matter. There's coming a day every believer is going to stand before Jesus Christ at the judgment seat to give an account for what they did with their lives and their gifts and their talents and their abilities to be rewarded, to be, to be commended. But, but we're all going to be aware of the fact that we could have done so much more for the kingdom of God. But there's something even more sobering than that. The wicked dead will all stand before Father God at the great white throne judgment. The Bible says that on that day, there will be the great and the small. And they will all stand before Father God at the great white throne judgment. The small, the great, there'll be people there and they heard the lie. Doesn't matter what you do. Doesn't matter how you live. They heard the lie. You can just kind of be good enough. They heard the lie. You can come up with your own path to God. And they'll be there along with great, famous men and women from history before the great white throne judgment. Verse eight, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So what do we do? What do we do to have fellowship? What do we do to walk with God? How are we to live our lives? We come to 1 John. When we do an invitation, every Sunday, you, you hear us refer to 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that wonderful? Praise God that he's faithful. Pray, praise God that he's faithful. You know, Paul refers to the fact that he, he's faithful even when men and women are faithless. Praise God that he's faithful. Pray, praise God that he's just, not with man's just justice, but with a pure and a perfect justice. He's faithful and he's just to forgive us. How many of our sins? All our sins. And not just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But notice we have a part to play. What are we to do? Look at the beginning of verse nine. What are we to do? We have a part to play. If we do what? 
Well, how can someone confess if they've been told that what they're doing is okay? How, how can someone confess or know to confess or be convicted to confess if they, they've been lied to and told that it was wrong, but now it's okay? And it, it breaks my heart. But, but there are those teaching that this is not for believers. This was not written to the church. And this is why I know you might think, well, Pastor and Austin sound old-fashioned. Well, this is why we believe in being educated. Not one theologian in the history of the church, conservative or liberal, in more than 2,000 years would say this wasn't written to believers. And yet there are those that, because they, they can't cope or deal with what the Word of God says, they lie. And John says, those who lie do not walk in the truth and they do not have fellowship. But they, they lie and they say, this is not for believers. They lie and they say, this is not for the church. And now, now they've gone a step further and they say that, that once you're born again, you never again need to confess or repent of anything. There will be hell to pay. Judgment is coming. And James said, those who teach will be judged more strictly. So what does the word of God say? If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So what do we do? Verse nine, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and praise God for it, amen. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us or cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Say, say from all. So if you, you've confessed it, if you've repented, if you put it in the hands of God, it's under the blood of Jesus. And someone from your life may remind you, but he's forgiven you and he's cleansed you. So you gotta live like it. You gotta walk like it. You gotta act like it. Amen. You know, somebody might reach out from you in the past and say, I remember when. Praise God, our heavenly father. He casts our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. He forgives us of our sins and purifies us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. Now, you might say, Austin, you made this sound like it's serious. I have, and it is. Because if we don't walk in the light, and if we claim we have not sinned, we lie, we don't live by the truth. If we claim we have not sinned, his word has no place in our lives. And if his word has no place in our lives, Jesus has no place in our lives because Jesus is the word made flesh. Now let me preview next Sunday a little bit. And this, this is where we're getting to. Chapter two, verse one. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. See, see what's the goal? Is the, is the goal, is the, the Christian life, is what Jesus died for, is the pinnacle of living for God what I heard at lunch that day at the burger place? Well, you're a screw up, I'm a screw up, we just screw up differently in different ways, or you sin, I sin, we all sin every day. Is that what Jesus died for? A life of defeat. No, he lived that we could live a life of victory. Amen. That we could walk with him from victory to victory in 
triumphal procession. The blood has not lost its power. Paul writes, that is what some of you were. You might say, Austin, I'm lost. I've got this in my life. I've got that in my life. I'm bound by this. I'm bound bound by that. My, My message to you is not just believe on Jesus and Keep living the way you've been living. No, my my message to you is give your life to him and the old you will be gone and dead and buried and you'll be a new man, a new woman in Christ Jesus. The word has not lost its power. The blood has not lost its power. The Holy Ghost is still here with us. So walk in the light. And when there's a time you don't, do what it says in 1 John. Be quick, confess that sin, repent of it, turn from it, confess it, because our Heavenly Father, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But the goal, John says, is fellowship. And to have fellowship, we've got to walk in the light, we've got to walk in the truth, We've got to stop lying to ourselves. We've got to stop being self-deceived. We've got to stop saying that things that are wrong are okay and things that are sinful are okay. It's time to walk with God. It's time to walk in the light. Please bow your heads. You might be here today and you have never believed upon Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. The Bible says in John 3, 16 that God Father God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes upon him would not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus said, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. There is one Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. There there is one Messiah. His name is is Jesus Christ. There there is only one way to be a part of the family of God, and that is by giving your life to Jesus Christ. Said in Revelation that he's standing at the door knocking, but you, you have to do something. You have to open the door and ask him to come in. You have to ask him to be the Lord and the Savior of your life. If you're here today and say, Austin, I've never done that, but I, I want to. I want to be a part of the family of God. I, I want to be a child of God. I, I, want to be, I want to be saved. If you're here today and say, Austin, I want to ask Jesus into my heart. That's you, wherever you're seated, raise your hand, raise it up to where I'll sit and I'll know you want me to pray. Say, Austin, pray with me. I want to become a part of God's family. I want to give my life to Jesus today. I might also be here and time in your life, you prayed a prayer, you walked an aisle, but you know in your heart, not been living for God, you've been doing your own thing, not been walking in the light, been walking in darkness, not been walking in truth, you have been walking in deceit, telling yourself things are okay when they're not okay, telling yourself things are not sinful when they are sinful, telling, your things that, telling yourself that things are not displeasing to God when they are, they are displeasing to God. Brother, Sister, it's time to come out of darkness and to come into the light. 
And praise God that the word of God is true. If we confess our sins, he's faithful. He is just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you're here today and say, Austin, that's me. I I need to repent. I need to make things right with God. I I want peace with God before I leave the day. That's you this morning. Say, Austin, pray with me. I need to recommit my life. That's you. Raise your hand where I'll see it and I'll know you want me to pray with you. Say, Austin, pray with me. I want to have peace before I leave the day. Young man, I see your hand. For the sake of this young man and any others, we're going to pray. If you raised your hand for either invitation, I'm going to ask that you grab your Bible, whatever you brought with you, come join me at the front. We're going to pray. Everyone's going to be excited for you, cheering you on. So come join me here at the front. We're going to pray. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you you know in your heart God's dealing with you. And even though you didn't raise your hand, you know you should be here. And we should pray. Come join us at the front. Come join this brave young man. We're going to pray. God bless you. What's your name? William. William. God bless you. Repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I repent of my sins. I give you my whole life. I thank you that Jesus, he was born on my behalf. I thank you that he lived a perfect life without sin so he could take my sins upon himself so he could pay the price I deserve to pay. And I thank you that he suffered and he died on my behalf. And I thank you that you raised him from the dead and from this day forward, he will live in me. I ask Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. I give you my life. From this day forward, I will live for you with all my heart. In Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus that you would bless William and that you would set him free of anything in his life that would hinder him in walking with you. And I ask you that you would do many good and wonderful things in his life this week, this month, between now and the end of the year to show him that he is a part of your family. He is a son in your family and he is loved in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. He'll take just a moment and go with Mr. Cameron here. Got some things to bless you with. They'll get you right back in the service. God bless you. The Lord will help you with anything you ask him to help you with. The Lord will give you the victory with anything you ask him to give you the victory with. If you purpose in your heart to walk with him, to walk in the light, to walk in truth, he will do and help you with anything you ask him to help you with. He's good. He's wonderful. And the goal as John writes, chapter 2, is to not sin. The goal is to live a life of victory. Paul said it this way, we, we aim for perfection. We're, we're not perfect. The one who is gave his life so we could be a part of the family of God. But we live in a way that Paul and Peter and James and John spoke of. We live worthy of the Lamb. 
We live worthy of the blood that was shed on our behalf. We, we live in such a way because we know there's coming a day we will stand before him and we want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. I hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you.